Hello, my friends, and welcome into another edition of the JMAC podcast. I have to tell you, today I saw so many stories that I wanted to talk about. I figure I'm going to bring them all to you. Some important, some funny, uh, some you're going to want to share with your friends, and some you are just not going to believe. So I'm going to share each story, and the way you'll know that we're moving on to the next story is we have a whoosh sound effect. Here you go. So when you hear that sound effect, you'll know that we are moving on. And uh, what I've done is I've taken clips from these stories. I'm going to share with you some of the details, and then we are going to move on to the next story. And I would love your comments about each story in the comments. And please take a moment to like, share, follow, you know, do all of those social media kind of things to help us grow the channel. That means a lot to us. So let's go ahead and we'll start with the very first story here. This uh, comes from the Salt Lake Tribune, and it says a new survey finds that fewer than a third of Americans, 29% to be exact, qualify as Christian nationalists. Of those two-thirds, they define themselves as white evangelicals. At 38% of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are more inclined towards Christian nationalism than the general population. 38% of the LDS Church think that this should be a Christian national state. Uh, it also finds that 10% of Americans are avowed Christian nationalists, what the survey calls adherents, while an additional 19% are sympathetic to Christian nationalist ideals. Now, attention to Christian nationalism has grown rapidly in the past few years, especially in the wake of the January 6th attack. Interesting. On the U.S. Capitol. The term, in case you're wondering, describes a religious and political belief system that argues that the United States was founded by God to be a Christian nation. In the survey, supporters of Christian nationalism were defined by their responses to five statements, including the U.S. should be declared a Christian nation. And God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. They were then assigned a place on a Christian nationalism scale. Now, I've shared some thoughts with you in the past about this idea that the nation is somehow supposed to be a Christian nationalist nation. And I'm going to put this as softly as I can so that there's no misunderstanding how I feel about it. This is a load of nonsense. It's complete garbage. It doesn't hold up to muster in even the simplest terms of thinking. If the founders wanted this nation to be a Christian nation, do you think they might have mentioned God in the Constitution? Even one time? 
Do you think they might have put in an amendment that says Congress shall pass no law respecting the establishment of religion? These were people who were running from governments who had a national religion. These are people who many of them were not Christian. And many of the founding fathers that are, we're told, are Christian are not. And they did not want to enforce a religion on the country. That much should be perfectly clear. Now, if you just believe in your heart that that's the way it should be, then fine. Fight for that. I can't take that away from you. But if you somehow believe that this was the will of the founders, then they screwed up big time because somehow they failed to mention it. And you can go back to the Declaration of Independence, but that's not law. And that was written way before the Constitution came into play. So please, I believe that what many of the founders were saying is that we have to maintain a Christian um, membership or that the people of the United States, if they don't hold on to Christianity, then the nation will fall. Not that the nation itself should be run and mandated by Christianity. I, this, this entire line of thinking is not consistent with the Constitution or with the Bill of Rights. It's just not. And with that, it's time for another whoosh. There we go. So that means it's time to move on to the next topic here. And that is, according to Yahoo News, uh, there is another Santos. And by the way, I am now using Santos as a verb. I think that Santos should be the new term for liar or uh, whatever you want to call it. I think we should call it a Santos. Yeah, he pulled a Santos. Well, there's somebody else apparently in Congress who has pulled a Santos. And that is, uh, let's see, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, Republican out of Florida. Now, she claimed on the campaign that while she is a Christian, her father raised her as a Messianic Jew. And that she's part, I'm going to mess it up, Ashkenazi Jew, Jewish. Now, Messianic Jews identify as Jewish, but they believe Jesus is the Messiah. She says these things, or she said these things during an interview with Jewish Insider in which she stood by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who had made anti-Semitic comments. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene did endorse me, she said, and I was raised as a Messianic Jew by my father. In other words, she was saying there's no way MTG could be a an anti-Semite. She says, I am also a small fraction Ashkenazi. Sorry, I'm messing up the word. If she were anti-Semitic, why did she endorse me? <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, it turns out that Luna's relatives dispute the fact and say that not only was George a Catholic, 
who never practice any form of Judaism, uh, but that his father, Heinrich Meyerhofer, served in the Nazi army in the 1940s. Luna's estranged uncle even provided the post with a photo of Heinrich in uniform, which an independent expert said was consistent with that um, that of a member of the Weimark, which was the armed forces of Nazi Germany. Luna's aunt told the Post that Heinrich had no choice but to serve in the German army. It's worth noting that the reason Luna is estranged from this particular uncle is that he used the social media to draw attention to inconsistencies in Luna's biography during her first congressional bid. And once again, I'm sitting here wondering why on earth I decided to tell the truth during my campaign. What was I thinking? I should have just said anything and everything to get elected. My bad. All right, we got another whoosh. That means it's time to move on to another story. This one here locally, this is from the Salt Lake Tribune. This has to do with uh, voter ballot drop boxes. Um, San Juan County voters saw ballot drop boxes removed early without notification during the 2022 midterm election. This is according to another name I'm going to have to pronounce, State Senator Nate uh, Bloin. I have no idea. Democrat, Democrat Salt Lake City. Sorry, I'm terrible with the names. He's trying to prevent that from happening again and expand the time period for mail-in ballots uh, that would count in an election. The freshman senator's legislation would narrow when local election officials can uh, remove ballot drop boxes and require them to notify voters and the lieutenant governor's office. Under the current code, a local election officer, such as a county clerk, can authorize two or more election workers to remove a ballot drop box at any time with no requirements to notify voters of the change. But if the bill passes, drop boxes can only be removed in certain circumstances and local officials could be required to inform voters and the lieutenant governor's office. The legislation would also allow the boxes to be picked up if the election official lacks the resources to remove them after polls close, or if the removal is essential to protect the ballots. There is a lot of fear and misconception out there about these ballot boxes. That fear is due to one person, Donald J. Trump, and his election lie. And his lie is based upon the idea that you can stuff a ballot box, just like the olden days when the mafia in Chicago would stuff a ballot box. But Trump doesn't understand how our election system works. And I would suggest that anybody who believes that you can stuff a ballot box 
in the state of Utah does not know how our ballot system works. You could take a hundred thousand printed ballots that are fake and stuff them in a box if they fit. Not one of them will be counted towards the election. We're not that dumb. We're not so stupid to have a system that you can just stuff with, with ballots. It doesn't work that way. You see, on each ballot, there is a barcode. On each uh, envelope, there is a barcode. That ballot with a name on it has to match a, a name in the electronic voter file. So when the barcode is scanned, it pulls up the name in the voter file, and if they match, it registers a single vote. There is no ability for it to add a second vote on that name. So if you wanted to put in a 100,000 pre-printed ballots into a, a ballot box, you would also somehow have to hack the system of the Utah voter roll to add those 100,000 names. And that is just not going to happen. So there is no way to do this. When Trump complained about mail-in ballots, when he complained about voter boxes, when you saw the story of what was it, the hundred mules or whatever, it doesn't matter if they deliver extra ballots to a ballot box. There is an electronic file that has to match the paper file. In Georgia, they did three audits. In one, they checked to see if the voter file matched the paper file. In one, they just checked all the paper files to see if there were the same number of votes. This is a system with multiple fail-safes. And you can either choose to believe that or you can choose the man who tried to steal an election with election lies. You decide what you want to do. But in the meantime, we're going to whoosh to the next topic. So here we go. This one uh, is from the Super Bowl. And this is also from the Tribune. And this was just pathetic if you saw it. Uh, this is Terry Bradshaw. He had just finished interviewing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs chairman and CEO, Clark Hunt. He went to move to Coach Reed. He went to move him closer to the front of the crowded stage for the interview. And then uh, he said, big guy, let me get the big guy in here, Bradshaw said to Reed, holding out his hand to usher him to the front of the stage for the interview. And then he said, come on, waddle over here. And then he cackled. And then after a brief talk of the game, Bradshaw told Reed, have a cheeseburger on us. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say is wow. Uh, fat shaming is alive and well. I experience it. Uh, in fact, I did a YouTube short here uh, a while ago uh, when people disagree with me, when they don't like what I have to say, they'll just call me fat. 
like that somehow uh, means that they're right about their opinion and I'm wrong because of the excess weight that I have on my body. Um, but this is just completely sad and uncalled for. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was drinking. Uh, but, uh, wow. That's, that's, that's my whole commentary. Wow. That's all I got. Wow. But I do have another whoosh here, uh, which means this time we'll go, <laughs> uh, this time we'll go to Engadget. There's a new term out there. It's called, let me bring it up here. It's called sushi terrorism. Have you heard about this? This is an internet trend. And this says everything why internet trends and memes should never happen. Sushi terrorism is a microcosm of everything wrong with the internet. So what is it? Uh, videos across social media showing people carrying out all kinds of unhygienic acts in uh, sushi bars, like licking the spoon for a container of green tea powder. Another video, which has more than 98 million views on Twitter, showed a person licking the top of a soy sauce bottle and a teacup's rim before putting them back on the branch of the Shushiro chain. The company said it has replaced all the soy sauce bottles and cleaned every cup at the affected restaurant. Now, in conjunction with this story, we have seen uh, new announcements uh, for the past 10 days or, or maybe even three weeks about all the new artificial intelligence coming out. And you might be saying, J-Mac, what does artificial intelligence have to do with sushi terrorism? Well, to combat this gross trend, one chain, Kura Sushi, said it would use artificial intelligence to look for suspicious opening and closing of sushi plate covers. That's according to Nikkei Asia reported. I don't know the name, sorry. Uh, the company plans to upgrade existing cameras used to track the dishes customers take from conveyor belts or determine their bill by, by early March. If the system detects suspicious behavior, it will alert employees. Sushi terrorism, my friends. And in an age of COVID and uh, other types of illnesses that can be spread around, this isn't funny. It's not funny. It's dangerous. But we just don't care about that on the interwebs. We just will do anything for likes and views, anything for likes and views and to be Internet famous. It's it's dangerous and it's sad. But it is I saw the term sushi terrorism in and I saw it right next to artificial intelligence. And I'm like, how in the world are these two going to go together? Well, now, you know. 
So moving on to our next story. Well, I had Donald Trump um, attacking Rihanna and her halftime show. I don't think we need to dive into this much. He said it was terrible. I think he's mad at her because she tweeted out a long time ago, like graffiti that said F Trump. I thought the uh, Super Bowl uh, performance from Rihanna was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I enjoy her music and it's really hard to do something new during a Super Bowl and with the floating platforms and the choreography and all that stuff. I, you know, my gauge is not uh, anything greater than did I enjoy it? And I did. Uh, tell me how you felt about it. I, I, I give it a thumbs up. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. So with that, we get another whoosh. Um, this one, <laughs> um, sometimes it makes you wonder how little thinking people actually do. You know, it is February. It is Black History Month. And I want you to know that I have no problem with Black History Month like uh, many people do. I think it's an important reminder of uh, the atrocities, the history of our nation, um, but also uh, the culture, the addition to society, um, all the good. And I know that people are afraid of, of Black History Month because they feel like it's going to really be white racist month. And so they tend to feel embarrassed or to shy away. I don't. I don't. Because I, I don't live in the country that still has slavery. I live in the country that overcame slavery. I don't live in a country who has the Jim Crow laws. I live in a country that overcame those laws. And people of all races and colors came together to overcome those things. But I also live in a country where there is still a ton of work to do. So I have no issue with this whatsoever. And when I see um, things like Black Lives Matter or things like that, I don't sit here and feel attacked. And I think that's what happens. People get a knee-jerk feeling like I'm being attacked. No, you're not being attacked because that is part of our history. In fact, you need to embrace that history and feel good about how much we've accomplished since and be aware that we're not there yet. Now, with all that being said, this is just a story about people being stupid and insensitive. This happened in a school uh, let's see, this is from Boing Boing. Uh, Aramark is a company that provides school lunches, and they apologize for the unintentional insensitivity shown by the company, but said the menu was not intended as a cultural meal. We <laughs> apologize for the unintentional insensitivity shown on February 1st, the uh, first day of Black history. They said, while our menu was not intended as a cultural meal, 
We acknowledge that the timing was inappropriate and our team should have been more thoughtful in its service. So what do you think they served? On the, on February 1st, the first day of Black History Month, what do you think they served? <laughs> I just can't even believe, I, I cannot believe this gets by, uh, reasonably minded people. I just can't believe this sneaks through. Chicken and waffles and watermelon. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, not one person, in the lunchroom, not one person in Aramark, not one person said, hey, guys, um, is this really what we're going to serve? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just, wow, wow, wow. Um... <laughs> Aramark has previously been criticized for offering food menus that were offensive to black people. In 2018, two employees were fired after food vendors served uh, a Black History Month special lunch menu at a New York University dining hall that included ribs, collard greens, cornbread, smashed jams, mac and cheese, and two beverages, red Kool-Aid and watermelon-flavored water. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's as bad as the uh, chicken and waffles, but it's, uh, it's pretty bad. It is <laughs> pretty bad. All right, one last story here, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. This is another whoosh. Uh, this is a story that has to do with whether or not you get justice in a court of law may have to do with the favorite football team of the judge. I'm not joking at least according to somebody's research somewhere. This is, again, from Boing Boing. Uh, let me, uh, oh, that's the wrong story there. Let me grab the right one. Here we go. Employing the universe of juvenile court decisions in a U.S. state between 1996 and 2012, they analyze the effects of emotional shocks associated with unexpected outcomes of football games played by prominent college team in the state. Who came up with this idea? I have to know who came up with this idea for a study and how many state dollars were spent on it. So they were shocked with unexpected outcomes of football games played by prominent college teams in the state. They say, we find that unexpected losses increase sentence lengths assigned by judges during the week following the game. Unexpected wins or losses that were expected to be close contests uh, ex ante have no impact, they said. The impact of an upset losses on sentence lengths is larger for defendants if their cases are handled by judges who receive their bachelor's degree 
from the university with which the football team is affiliated. That's right. Your sentence in a court of law might have everything to do with where your judge went to school and how well their football team did that week. Hey, it's a study. It's on paper. It must be true. So if you know the team of your, of your judge and you know their team just got slacked and they weren't expected to, maybe ask for a continuance. I don't know. Just a thought. Hey, this is, uh, Ben, uh, something, I guess maybe we'll call this the JMAC news review or something like that, where I just kind of group together all the stories of the day that I saw. If I see any stories that deserve a lot of attention, I'll just give them one long video. Uh, but these just, I just saw this string of stories and I thought I would share them with you. Let me know your comments if you liked the uh, news review, if you liked the whoosh, because I can get a different sound effect for the whoosh. And also, please take a minute and like, follow, share, subscribe, hit that bell thingy, uh, do whatever you can to help us grow this channel. Also, you can help finance this channel by becoming a member of the JMAC Members Club. Click on the link in the description for as little as $5 a month. You can keep getting this, more of, of this, more, more. All right, my friends, thank you and have a wonderful day.